Welcome, Sojourners. You have found yourself a cozy place here at Sojourners Awake. I'm Jonathan, and this is our production of The Bookish and the Brave. And in this most recent production, the bookends, the Sojourners, Vaughn, Hawkins, and Sterling, have encountered the Amberdoom Gang, finally getting to the bottom of the mystery of the Gang Watsons, this dangerous book that provided such an adventure way back in Bolt Top Library. Will the Sojourners find themselves at a dead end, or will they return victorious to Bald Top Library? However it happens, I know it will not be without incident. And so for now, our story continues. Sterling! Vaughn! It's coming! (laughs) Pandemonium ensues. (laughs) Most people just kind of turn and ignore you completely as your three-foot stature just tears through the uh, busy square, the busy uh, thoroughfare of Serpent Ridge. But outside of Dolores' cafe, Vaughn, you have succeeded upon your mission in getting these special drinks. Give this a sip, sir, darling. You'll tell me what you taste. And Sterling chugs and <laughs> That was worth that was worth the two coppers. Each of you roll a D4. You have that many temporary hit points, four and three temporary hit points, as the uh, cafe attendant um, noticing you, Vaughn, winked at you and said, Shall I put a little something extra in the herbal drink? It's on the house. As long as I can keep my wits. Oh, most definitely. And she uh, says, it's from me on the house. Don't forget. Thank you. The special herbal tea fortifies your strength, heightens your senses. And you notice that Hawkins, when he comes rushing up, there's more about him uh, as his port is a little bit crackling with energy. There's more about him that is simply rushed. Nevertheless, how do you proceed? Hawkins, what is it? Uh, Alexandria, the woman I was just talking to, she did some divination, and uh, she said that whatever's coming, whatever this pamphlet was warning about, that it's about to come. We might need to get everyone off the bridge or or maybe look out to, to defend in some way. Vaughn looks up. The skies seem perfectly clear. I see nothing. How do we know which way to take them or what to do? And do we really want to bring that much attention to ourselves? Oh, you make a good point. And she didn't say what kind of danger it was, but she went into Twainville. So maybe that's a safe way to go. I don't know how clear her vision was though. Do you really want to go back that way? I I don't. I was just thinking if we're going to, if we evacuated anybody, if we asked anybody to leave, that'd be the direction we might be able to send them. But but you're right, I don't know if it's a good idea for us to bring that much attention to ourselves. I don't see anything happening. Do we see the shop that we're looking for? I saw a, a little girl uh, run over there. She had this red hood on and, and she smelled, oh, uh, she was she was a little girl. She was like hot, she was, you know, 
like a like a hen folk, you know, like not quite as small as uh, as our friend here. But anyway, um, she was running. And I could smell her. She smelled like potpourri and tobacco and a wet dog. I don't get where she smelled like wet dog from, but we could just yell out, "Hey, everyone, read your pamphlet!" Hey, everyone, read your pamphlet! Thank you. That's not bringing any attention to us. A man walks by, crumples up the pamphlet, and throws it in your face, Sterling. Which way, Sterling? Oh, she went into that shop over there. And you see it. Sweet gins, tobacco, and potpourri. There is currently no A written upon this shop, but I will allow an investigation check as this you have indicated you are looking for this. 14 for me. 30, 20. Sterling, uh, you see the A, and this shop appears as a front building with two windows and a single door with a bell chime above it. A couple of flower plants in the window seal. Upon this wooden building built into the side of Circuit Bridge, and you can see that the building itself hangs out a little bit over the bridge. And there's some hammocks where uh, people have positioned themselves for a restful night's sleep hanging under this building. And you look up over the awning, and there, high above, under the awning, is a simple red A scratched into the undercarriage of the awning. Oh, yeah, this you... is it. Are we ready, guys? Who's going first? Probably shouldn't be me. I don't know if uh, if we should wait for whatever's coming from the sky. I don't know how long it's going to be. Or yeah. or maybe being inside is the right thing to do. I don't know. Vaughn looks up again. Then you look up. And Hawkins, your port starts to charge a little bit. You smell ozone. Like and there's an electrical fire somewhere. For a minute, you think maybe the city of Boshan is aflame again. You look for flames of fire. It's not there. And on a clear day, you see it, a crackle of electrical lightning dart across the sky. You look towards the fissures and you see them pointing in the distance. And then you feel the thunderous wind begin to pick up around you as if a large thunderstorm is moving quickly towards the Serpent Bridge. A blue dragon crashes through the thunder cloud and roars towards the Serpent Bridge, breathing out its lightning breath. That moment, people begin screaming and moving and Baynites going to the guard. Everyone goes inside their buildings. The ships are being pulled into the harbor and some ships are going away from the harbor as far as possible. The Baynites begin rushing to defense. This may be our chance. We should go in while they're distracted. Let's go. Vaughn rushes in. The halfling, the hinfolk man at the front sees you and says, Hello, my name's Sid. What you looking for today? Completely oblivious to the coming doom outside. He is smoking a pipe. We're looking for safety. There's a dragon out there. <laughs> dragon? What? 
and he rushes towards the window and ah, board up the doors, sweet chin, time to board up the doors. And he shuts the window and just locks it down, changes the sign from open to closed. He goes towards the back of the store and is preparing to lock it, leaving you in the foyer. Vaughn follows. Okay, roll initiative. Fourteen is the number to beat. Eighteen for Hawkins. Twelve for Sterling. Thirteen. Hey Hawkins, when are you gonna start rolling the die that has uh, numbers one through ten on it? <laughs> Hawkins, you are the quickest with this blue dragon. For some reason, attacking the serpent bridge in this moment, and the halfling ducking, moving towards the door. You have the upper hand in this moment. Hawkins is going to approach um, the Hinfolk and sort of expectantly say, where's a safe place that we can hide? Sort of forcing his way in where, wherever he's going. Forcing, so I'll say intimidation or persuasion, okay. depending on your intention. I think more persuasion. Go for it. Uh, four. No. He says, there's not enough room. <laughs> and he begins to close the door. Uh, he takes his action and he secures the door. It's a very simple door latch. I and mean, you can hear on the other side, it's a simple like deadbolt. He locks it. You hear the click and you're left inside this 10 by 10 room. Lots of potpourri, tobacco, um, including the stuff that you, you had mentioned to Honest Amos. Uh, you see some of the steeple bottom uh, leaf sitting there on the shelf, Vaughn. However, you hear the small footprints, footsteps of the henfolk go downstairs, and it is Vaughn's turn. If I hear him uh, step, if I hear him going downstairs behind that door, Vaughn's going to try to rip that door open, whichever yeah. way makes the most sense to him. If if it yeah. looks like it's something he could punch through, he'll do it. If it doesn't, he'll take his sword to it. Uh, it seems like you would do a kick. So go ahead and make a, well, a, a martial attack. Yeah. That is a 22. Vaughn kicks it open and you can see the door. I mean, with a 22, the door comes off the hinges and lands on top of the henfolk as he's going downstairs, knocking him and tumbling him to the ground. The door just slides and bumps all the way down the stairs. You can see that there's candlelight down at the second level. You hear a voice. Oi, what's all that, Sid? As Vaughn walks past him underneath the door, he's going to say, I thought you said there wasn't enough room. And he's going to keep walking. Uh, yeah, Vaughn just strides down the steps. You make it to the bottom, Vaughn, and you can see that there is another halfling. Uh, she has got sandy red hair and a blue bonnet. And she pulls out a dagger instinctively in just a simple defensive fashion, unsure of what the terror is going on outside. And then it is Sterling's turn. Sterling would look at Hawkins and say, uh, hey, if, if there's not a lot of room down there, I think you should go first and I'll just watch out up here. Okay, um, I don't want to, uh, to, you know, to crowd the space. Sterling, go ahead and make a perception check. It's a 13. It's enough. You hear the dragon swoop over the bridge and you know that it is coming around again. Hawkins, uh, you're still upstairs. 
You hear the crackle of electricity, the lightning begins to fill up, and the blue dragon bursts out its breath, tearing through the bridge. Sterling, you're keeping watch. You can make a dexterity saving throw with advantage, 16. Hawkins, make a dexterity save, 16. The 10. 14 for Hawkins. The lightning rips the Amber Dune hideout in half. 13 points of lightning damage to you, Sterling. 13 points of lightning damage to you, Hawkins. You hear the dragon crying out as an oak falls headlong when uprooted by the lightning flash of Zonthal. And there's the terrible ozone of brimstone. No one can help being dismayed if he is standing near it, for a thunderbolt is awful. Even so, you will fall to earth and bite the dust. Hawkins, when you get hit with this electrical current, your port suddenly charges and comes to life in a very excitable fashion, an unknown byproduct of being hit by lightning. You have a second a second spell slot added to your port. Cool. And it is your turn. Beckoning uh, Sterling to follow him downstairs, he'll uh, knock one of those charges of the port into himself, uh, casting Cure Wounds as he heads down the stairs. Hawkins, when you head down the stairs, you catch up to Vaughn and you see the henfolk woman, Sweet Jin, holding up a dagger looking terrified. Um, the man on the floor, Sid, do you pass by him? Yes. Uh, Sid is going to be terrified of Vaughn, but he sees Hawkins as an easy target. <laughs> Hawkins, if you would make a constitution saving throw, Sid just says, they're coming downstairs! And he throws a potion on the ground that cracks with this smoky blue odor, begin to cough and sputter seven so fail a seven fail um oh you take one point of poison damage oh no <laughs> how did this happen <laughs> it's stanky most of the poison goes towards sin he just coughs <laughs> he goes to throw the potion on the ground but at the last minute you step on it crushing the glass in his hand the odor just seeps and backfires into his face. He coughs and mutters, incapacitated for the moment. Meanwhile, you just simply get the odor of these rotten eggs. And you know that he tried to poison you. Vaughn, it is your turn. Yeah, he throws up his hands in like a, I'm not here to hurt you kind of way, even though I just kicked down your door, but you don't know that. You just know the door crashed. Um, he's gonna say, and he's gonna say to her, Milady, we're not here to hurt you. We are just looking for a shelter from the dragon outside. And I heard heard the stairs going down, so we came to seek shelter. Please put that dagger away. Please make a persuasion check. Natural 20. Yes, it seems effective enough. She said he winks. she just... Hmm? Good, he winks. He winks. <laughs> She stabs the dagger into the table and says, looks at you and says, 
Well, I didn't think the dagger would do anything to you at all. So, since you're being polite, I will also be polite. Welcome to Sweet Gems. There's a dragon outside. That is terrible. I was wondering what the smell was. Also, I think Sid is unconscious. Sid, get your body back in here. He's coughing. <laughs> she says, well, we can ride this out, but if we need to, we can also escape in a boat. Somewhat out of initiative, though you can feel the dragon swooping, just tearing through the serpent bridge. You hear the dragon cry for, for demands of money and treasure and dealings. Once or twice, you even hear the dragon calling out the name Lord Basile, the Sons of War. Is this room that we're in underneath the bridge or is it kind of in the ground um, near the bridge? This room is built into the side of the bridge, the stone bridge. Part of it is kind of hanging off a little precariously, but it is supported by beams in a diagonal fashion. So it doesn't feel super safe especially since most of the lightning bolt tore through the shop initially. And you said that it was a 60 foot drop from the bridge down to the water. So even though we're downstairs, we're still probably 50 feet above the water. Yep. Do you think it's safer for us to stay here or to go take your boat? We've waited things out before. We could just see what happens. Perhaps they give the dragon what it wishes. I don't know. Things have changed here in motion. Yes, it seems so. Does this kind of thing happen often? Nope, we haven't had a dragon attack in a long time. <laughs> I haven't heard of one, but that sounds like Zonthal out there. He's been depleted of resources, and he's most likely looking for some kind of uh, financial backing, or he's probably most likely looking for some treasure investments. Do you know about the little girl who was handing out pamphlets about looking out for danger from the sky? Oh, could, that could... <laughs> busy cult they're always prophesying doom well uh, seems pretty accurate today doesn't it i well it's, it's a coincidence but to be fair they prophesy the end of the world every day so they got lucky <laughs> which cult is this uh the cult of uh, some church i don't know the cult of poverty most likely vaughn's gonna look around the room to see if if there's any indication that it goes anywhere else right because this is supposed to be the little hideout for the Amberdeen gang and unless it's just these two hinfolk there's got to be something else going you do see that there is a door that looks like maybe a closet door or a door to a secondary room and you also see that there is as she indicated a hatch that leads through the floor supposedly down the side of the bridge does that hatch go down to your boat uh, well, not my boat, but uh, <laughs> assuming it's still there, uh, we could take it. And where does this room go? Does it go safer? Oh, that's just my shop. The, you know, projects I'm working on and everything. Well, maybe it's safer in there, and Vaughn's going to walk towards the door. She puts up a hand, and Sid kind of crawls weakly in that moment. I mean, it's a pretty bleak sight, them trying to restrain against you, but she puts a clawed hand, and you notice now her fingernails are unusually long. That smell of wet dog erupts. She growls a little bit instinctively, almost feral-like, and says, I'm afraid that's club membership only. 
For that, I'm gonna have to ask, unless you're a club member, no entry allowed. Well, this uh, club, I would like to join the club. Would you guys like to join the club? And he looks at Sterling and Hawkins. Yeah, Hawkins wasn't expecting this. Um, I don't think he's going to play it cool. Yeah, okay, he does. Um, <laughs> what, uh, sure, I mean, these seem like pretty good folk, and I've gotten along well with Hinfolk before. It's a Hinfolk club, is that right? She looks back and says, mm, you don't have to be Hinfolk to join. She's now smiling a little bit. You notice a little slobber coming out of her mouth as well. I feel like Sterling State of says, look out for the dragon and look for books. Okay, make a dexterity saving throw as the lightning tears through the city again. DC 16. Ah, 13. That is a fail. You take 40 points of lightning damage. Well, that was that escalated quickly. Okay, uh, well, Sterling is knocked down. I feel like Vaughn would have asked where Sterling was. I, I I don't think Vaughn realized that Sterling didn't come down behind Hawkins. Well, at that moment, you turn to look away from Sweet Jin. Sterling, you're keeping a lookout and you're surveying the lit fires of tobacco that have now cindered and the smoke is starting to fill up the room. It indeed smells wonderful here. Just aroma after aroma. And then you turn to look through the window and you see the large face of this blue dragon his yellow eyes crackling with electricity he is tearing straight towards you you see the bolt of electricity tear through this shop and pound you in the chest sending you sprawling down the stairs tumbling right as Vaughn called out for your name you smash into Sid he's now on the ground unconscious you burst through and ping pong off the wall, landing in the middle of this lower chamber in a smoking cinder. Steam's rising off his body because as it's as the water is uh, evaporating. Hawkins rushes over to him and immediately uh, puts the puts the port on him and does another cure wounds. That's uh, seven hit points back. <laughs> How do you do that? <laughs> well, it's all about putting it in just the right spot. It seemed like uh, maybe your heart wasn't going so well there, so I gave you a good jolt in the heart. One good jolt deserves another, I guess. Why weren't you with us? Dragon mate and, and books. I was looking for books upstairs. Uh, at that moment, Sweet Jen kind of cuts her eyes over to you, Hawkins. Well, um, about the club. Uh, like I said before, anyone can join, including your freshly revived friend. You know, there's no time like the president. Uh, the present, I mean, today could be your last day, as clearly exemplified in this dragon attack. So if you're ready to join the Amber Doom gang, um, there's no need to hastily read through all the terms and conditions. But by now she is slobbering, and you can see that her nose is starting to grow into a little bit of a snout. Hawkins, I feel like you have studied enough at least you to know that she is a lycanthrope and she is transforming into some kind of wolf-like creature ready to initiate the most willing member of the Amber Doom gang. Hawkins is gonna 
pretend like he doesn't notice um, and sort of walk over, being very watchful, definitely watching her every move, but he's going to walk over to a book that happens to be lying around um, and he'll sort of peer, glance down at, down at it for a moment and say, do y'all know what a ging walks on me is? Just to see how she reacts to that. Pretending like he read it on the book. Yeah, Sid kind of leans up and says, Ging, Watsons, yeah, they're the... And at that moment, he tries to answer and snarls at him, and you hear this wolf-like bark come out of her. And she says, Where did you hear that name? Well, this this book here, I, it says it right on it, doesn't it? Or maybe I misread. She pushes past Vaughn and rushes over towards the book and looks at it, looks at it really quickly. After seeing your deception, she throws the book at you and snarls and says, you're instigators. You're after the master, aren't you? She is now turning into full wolf form. Her clothes tear off. She gets hulking muscles. Fur begins to grow on her back and her mouth turns into a snarl. And she says, I will initiate you one way or the other. Snid, Sid, snap into action. Hello, Sojourners. If you like this background music and ambiance, then you should go to Tabletop Audio. You can find them at www.tabletopaudio.com. And if you would like the Sojourners to not turn into werewolves, then you should go to your favorite podcasting platform and leave a rating and review. It certainly would help them in this harrowing fight. And so for now, our story continues. Hawkins, you are quick in seeing this. This werewolf seems to want to initiate you into the Amber Doom gang, whether you like it or not. After speaking of protecting her master, afraid that you knew the name King Watson, she prepares to defend at all costs. She is within melee range of you. Uh, port's working well so far. He's going to use it to cast Shocking Grasp on her. Armor class is 11. 12, sorry, 12. I got a 12. You zap through her and get that ringing stench of burnt dog hair. Roll for damage. Five damage, and she may not take reactions on her Mm. turn. Nice. And so I use that opportunity to move away from her and say, don't let her bite you. Both of y'all make a history check. You're going for a 12 or higher. Vaughn, you missed that class. Twelve. You all uh, twelve. Okay, Sterling. You suddenly remember the the t- teachings of Sylvia, and she said, "Sterling, if you're ever seeing a lycanthrope, they are like wolves or rats. They they turn to furry creatures, but not the cute kinds that you like. The terrible ones, the stuff of nightmares. Sterling, whatever you do, do not let them bite your skin." their saliva transfers a curse that would transform you into a lycanthrope. And I don't want that to happen to you. Okay? Promise me you will never get bit by one. If you smell wet dog on a person, stay away from them. Do you remember? Please remember that. So then we'll snap to, wet dog, wet dog, don't let it bite you. 
Bon, uh, so Sterling, what you do know that if they make a melee attack against you, you must succeed on a DC 12 con save or be cursed with Lycan Warping. Next up in the initiative, it is Sweet Jen. She goes for an attack. Ooh. How far away did you move, Hawkins? Um, pretty much to the other side of the room. Okay. His, his goal to get away from her. Sterling is sizzling upon the ground. Ah, she's going to go for Vaughn. She rushes forward. Strength meets strength. Force meets force. She makes a bite attack against you. That's a 17 to hit. Vaughn, I imagine no you good. just like, yeah, just kicking her up over the belly, and just slamming her back up against the wall. She has multi-attack. She's still going to go for a claw then. She rakes back at you, trying to slash at you with a 17 to hit. Nope. Oh, you flip over. It's beautiful. You like kick your legs back up and now you're upright as she slashes under your back. Sweet Jen snarls and looks around. She's ready to take you on again. However, it is your turn. Vaughn is going to uh, Vaughn is going to try to take her head off. He's going to swing his sword. 12 or higher. Uh, 15 to hit, seven points of damage. He will use a key point to uh, I mean, he already picked her up and and, and kind of threw her against the wall. So now he's going to try to punch her twice. Go for it. Uh, that's uh, 24 to hit and a 17 to hit. Both. Both of them are seven points of damage. Boom, Fawn, you're still in melee range, but just now she's up against the wall and you're just slamming into her stomach one punch after the other. Sterling, you are prone on the ground. Your body's still sizzling. You look up and you see that Sid is unconscious. For, Sid is starting to transform indeed as well, but he looks a little bit smaller. Um, he's starting to grow like a rat-like muzzle and a rat-like tail, mangy fur, um, just bigger than the rats you saw earlier that morning. Nevertheless, how do you respond? How close is um, Sid to the other lycanthrope? Uh, they're within like 15 feet. So Sterling lying on the floor will see the uh, sign of the chalice start to coalesce on his chest. Um, but what he'll do is he'll sit bolt upright and this noise will come out of his mouth like a crashing wave. Like a... And you'll see this abyssal moonbeam just start floating down this dark black hole light just come through this red, this giant tear in the bridge and land right on top of um, the sweet gym. Um, and when she starts her turn, she has to make a concentration saving throw or she'll revert back to her original state. Shape changes revert back in Moonbeam. That is amazing. Sid is going to make an attack. Um, he's going to take on Hawkins size for size. He rolls a multi-attack. That's a 12 to bite you. He snaps. He makes his claw attack. That's a 23 to swipe at you. That'll hit. Seven points of damage to you. Hawkins, it is now your turn. You are in melee range with Sid. Over in the corner, you can see this dark and haunting memory of the abyss. You see those little bat-like creatures begin to swirl around. You see Sterling over there channeling this energy and all in the area right next to Vaughn, nevertheless surrounding Sweet Jen. How do you proceed? This port, I think we're gonna stick with the port. He's gonna uh, attempt a shocking grasp on Sid. 12 or higher. Uh, dirty 20. Eight damage. 
Max. He is down for the count. <laughs> he falls back to the ground, getting a punch in the chest. The electrical shock, as it had previously helped Sterling, has now hindered St Sid. Standing over his supine body, Vaughn, it is your turn. Vaughn, um, Vaughn sees the moonbeam on, on Sweet Jin, right? And uh, he's not sure about what that's what that is. He's he's not uh, he's not real comfortable with this dark-looking magic. So Vaughn is going to um, he's going to step away, and uh, he is going to then um, he is going to then switch to. Can she take a reaction? Uh, she looks like she's still in defensive mode, ready to swipe at you. Would you like to take that risk? I'll then. Um, he, he will he will step he will step in the wind and uh, and get away without without a reaction attack no you know what he would not he would not because he doesn't know about this lycanthrop stuff he 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 passed on that class so he's no he's gonna just step away and uh, and take the chance I'll let you continue your turn and we'll find out what happens All right so yeah he's gonna step back and he's going to try to put an arrow in her that's a 20 to hit and how about some real damage this time? Uh, 10 points. The arrow sticks into your side. She snaps at you as you back away, ready to plant her large fangs in your shoulder with a 17 to hit. <laughs> Not kidding. That's fantastic. Ooh. Anything else on your turn, Vaughn? You are out of melee range. No, I don't think so. I think he's just going to uh, he's gonna stay there. With Sid on the ground, Hawkins, you see that his fur starts to decrease. Now he appears uh, near his tattered clothes, reverting back to his true form of a young hinfolk man. Sweet Jin is fighting these abyssal demons and bats and batting them away, but as each bat bites her, part of her fur just sheds to the ground and this large clump of wolf fur piles at her feet. And as she dwindles back into a woman, she now appears undignified, terrified, humbled, and meek. She curls up into a ball, clawing for her tattered clothes, frightened, mortified by this abyssal encounter. Neither one of them appearing as a threat, with the door and the trapdoor still in the room, with the wings beating of powerful Zonthal calling for tribute. I'll let Sterling take the wheel. How do you proceed? Sterling seeing this is working and um, seeing himself in a, in a bit of a weakened position will just take a deep breath and like start soothing himself with water, um, casting cure wounds on himself and the, the chalice is just pouring over onto him. So it usually seems wet, but now there's like a flood coming out of his skin and healing him. Va uh, Hawkins, how do you proceed? Um, I think Hawkins will walk over to um, Sweet Jen and um, sort of with his with his foot push her clothes over closer to her. Um, say, I, I don't think we'll be joining your gang today, um, but uh, yeah, I think we need to be concerned about this dragon that's upstairs. When you look at her, you do not see the same strength as before. 
it seems as if shifting into this lycanthrope and then even shifting back into her form has left her helpless, vulnerable, nearly catatonic. She grabs the clothes and her eyes fix forward a thousand yards from you, does not respond but just simply whimpers and waits for her strength to recover. You look over and see Sid in like fashion, coughing, slowly coming back to consciousness. Is there a safer place that we can go? She does not respond. Um, I think Hawkins will try to guide them. Um, I guess with the help of the other guys, try to guide them into the lab that we that Vaughn tried to go into before, just a little bit farther away from the, the threat of the dragon. Uh, as you guide her, um, I would see how Vaughn responds. Vaughn probably wouldn't wait for Hawkins to help her with her clothes and pick her up. Vaughn's going to go straight for the door. So Hawkins, go and make a persuasion check as you try to lift her up to see if she will take your leadership. Not with advantage, just one straight roll. Five. She pulls back instinctively and then shivers as if she's just broken from a fever. She pulls the clothes closer to her and just huddles in the corner, facing the wall. It's it's dangerous here. I, I want you to come, but I can't make you. Hawkins will turn and follow Vaughn. Vaughn, the door is unlocked. As you walk through, you see there is a place for a sconce in which you may generate some light. But what you see at first glance is a stack of ten books. Very familiar looking books. And one of them, the tenth one, looks a little different. You also see that there is a very large glass urn sitting in the corner that is glowing with a green light, something floating inside of it. Vaughn is going to, as he led the way, going to try to light the light, um, sword in hand though, and um, then turn around to see if uh, Hawkins and Sterling are following because he wants somebody the somebody to figure out what's going on. Assuming the two of you are right behind him, Vaughn, make a charisma saving throw. You're going for a 17 or higher. Could Sterling reach out and touch Vaughn? Yes. Sterling has been grasping his star stone, and he reached out and touches Vaughn and casts Guidance. So you get to roll a d4 to add to that, Vaughn. That's 15. Sterling, when you touch Vaughn, you... you instinctively, like a diviner, knew something was going to happen. But it wasn't enough. What happened? Um, so as he touched him, um, he was trying to help him, but what it really did was brought flashbacks of the ordeal that he went through and um, and just his feelings of when that prayer time went off. Um, so it just it wasn't enough to distract Vaughn. Vaughn, you continue to press forward and Hawkins and Sterling, you see that there is a stack of nine books, very familiar, just like the ones that had appeared before. But there's one book in the corner, Hawkins, you're the first to see it. It just simply says how to make King Watsons. It appears to be the manual for this dark magic. The other nine appear to be King Watsons. You see 
the jar glowing this green light and the water is very murky. Suddenly, Vaughn, you see something bump within the jar, moving. It appears round, pink, and fleshy. Vaughn, you hear a voice in your head. So are you the new leader? Is Vaughn having any sort of reaction to this? Uh, Just, um, there's a voice in your head now. Who's t- who's talking to me? It is I, Master Uluvianio. Are you not the new leader? No. You seem like one and would make a fine one. What do you wish for? Could I perhaps persuade you? Don't know what you're asking me. To You've clearly taken care of the Amber Dune gang, as noble and good-hearted as they were. It was only a matter of time before someone else came in. What is your purpose? To come back to life and to live again. This is definitely not something I do. Is Vaughn speaking out loud in response to this? No, unless he is. <laughs> but you don't have to. I think he might be. But you know it's coming from the jar. Yeah, he would be talking to the thing in the jar. Hawkins and Sterling, you can see that he's talking to this thing in the jar. And slowly in the jar, this fleshy bulb moves towards the edge and you see the murky waters have now settled. And there's a large brain floating inside this clear glass jar. Vaughn, is that thing talking to you? Yes. It's asking me if I'm the leader, and it wants me to bring him back to life, I think. Well, you're the leader, but what what would happen if you did bring him back to life? I don't think I want to know. Yes, you do, of course. What do you want to know? We can work together. I know many things that can help you. If you help me, you are wealthy, are you not? I am a monk. You are humble and wealthy. I am a Luviano. I am a a leader of the peoples. You probably do not know me, though. But I I wish to return to my form. He said that he's he's a leader of the people, and his name is uh, Luviano. And uh, he wants me to help him, but I don't... I don't know any of this, and I don't know how we bring somebody back to life. Does he have anything to do with the gang Watsons? Did he respond previously when when Hawkins spoke? No. Oh, he didn't. Oh. No. What do you have to do with the gang Watsons? It's just a means to an end. It's a quick way to make money to bring me back to life. Resurrection is expensive. But you, you have other ways. And I know that between your wealth and your humility, it is only a matter of time before I can taste flesh and live inside of skin once again. Well, I desire as much. Surely you have something you wish for as well, Ron. Oh, yes, your name. Henrik. Sterling, while this conversation's going on, he's, he's just like... He's thinking to himself, last time that Sterling had a voice in his head, nobody listened to him. So he's gonna get close to this glass and kind of put a hand on it and trip and push it onto the floor. And he is, he's like, oh, I'm sorry, leader Vaughn. The jar collapses off the ground. Vaughn, you hear, no, 
glass just shatters and the brain flops around as this being just cries out, spare me, spare me, Henrik, I'll give you anything, Lord, whatever you want, put me, take me, put me in fluid, in liquid, please, and he pleads with you, don't let me die. Uh, Vaughn's gonna put his sword through it. Slashes through and the, the link, the telepathic link is immediately severed from you. And as if coming back, from being inside a sensory deprivation room, you can now hear the surroundings clear, the voice of Hawkins, the, the voice of Sterling. Vaughn's gonna look at Sterling and say, thank you. He yeah, was, mate. He was talking to me and I, I didn't like it, but uh, you, you handled that well, thank you. Welcome, mate. It's, you know, we look out for each other. Less, as I said, we don't like voices in our heads, right? No, we don't. Also, that's the same move I used to distract the storekeeper in the, in the abyss. That's a good one. It works. You two are two peas in a pod. <laughs> and with that, you have in possession the nine other Gingwatsums. You have the manual in which to craft this dark magic. And having learned that the Amber Dune gang was simply attempting to revive their cultic and creepy leader. Also, you see that there's 300 gold that has been stored away as the Amber Dune gang has saved up a little bit for this resurrection. Hawkins, does that book over there, the, the one that doesn't look like it's a eating book, uh, does that one look like it can come alive? I don't know how to tell for sure, but if they've actually been reading it to make the Gingwatsums, then it's probably safe, or maybe maybe the Gingwatsums just have total control of them anyways. Either way, if we could get it safely back to Baldtop, uh, I'm sure someone there could figure out how to use the information in here to, to make some defenses. Maybe even like to scan right books idea. that are coming in. That seems right to me. Uh, these other nine books, I think we should, uh, he's going to whisper because he's afraid the book's going to overhear him. We should destroy them. And then the moonbeam will move on top of them. Beautiful. Shattering and just tearing through. You see the books beginning to writhe in these fleshy forms. Some of them flap with wings. Some of them pad like frog feet. Some of them begin to open and chomp with large mouths. And they flatter on the floor. But nevertheless, the abyssal demons, these bats, Leave no survivors. Sterling, you're... That's two in a row. Nice work. Uh, Yazpro to thank for that one. You know, I know you like him. That actually... That that kind of looks... That spell kind of looks like the Abyss. It's, uh... I mean, I'm not going to say don't use it, but it brings back some interesting memories. Uh, hey, there, I got to be a part of it with you then. You know, I felt bad. I felt like I let, like missed out, you know? I wanted to be a part of it too, but I'm, I'm glad. But I, I, I'll take that to heart. Vaughn turns his back and starts looking around the room to uh, see if there's anything else worth having. And he's going to pick up the gold. Uh, let's see, Hawkins and Vaughn, both of you make an investigation check, high number winner. Since Vaughn indicated he was looking elsewhere, otherwise Hawkins would have spotted it. 11. Also 11. Mm, you see it at the same time. There is a, you know, a simple longsword 
a D8 weapon. Uh, Hawkins, you recognize it immediately as a very clever invention. Vaughn, you simply see a longsword. Ooh, hey, look at this thing over here. Hawkins will walk over to it and pick it up and... and yeah, the button you see on the pommel of the sword instantly, if you press it, the sword shoots forth, spreads into four grappling hooks, extended by a tethered and very strong durable rope, instantly creating a 50-foot grappling hook, as well as working as a longsword. Yeah, sorry, shoots through and goes into the other room and grapples against the wall, clinks on the ground, and then instantly recoils as you push it. I should have known better than to launch it inside. This is one of the things my parents invented. Your parents made that? Well, they made the designs for it. They probably didn't make this one. They sold, They sell most of their designs as soon as they uh, prove them. That's very impressive. Can you carry that? It's a bit long for me. Sterling, the do you like it? No, I try to stay away from those kinds of things. I can carry it for you, Hawkins. I mean, even if we don't use it like a weapon, it could be a pretty handy tool some, sometimes. Juan would see if he could strap it on his back or, you know, s- somehow secure it to his body. But he's not going to use it in lieu of his brother's or his uh, father's sword. Out above, you hear that the air has gotten quiet, though the residual smell of lightning and thunder and a humid rainstorm is still lingering in the air. The tobacco and potpourri has all but burnt to a crisp inside of sweet gins. Outside, you hear it is quiet, though there is a general assembly that has been called. I think we ought to take that boat and get out of here the back way? I think we want to not be seen. That sounds like a good idea. Is anyone hurt before we go? No, she... She was real close to hitting me, but uh, fortunately, I was able to avoid her attacks. Saw you. You were like, wah, and, ah, and dodging left. It was, it was quite good. I'm going to learn those moves one day. No, you're not. You go through the trap door, and you see, sure enough, there is a little built-in rungs of ladders. To avoid being seen, each of you must roll a stealth check. You're going for a 10 or higher. Something has grabbed the attention of all those outside. Another natural one. All right, Hawkins. Vaughn with a 25, Sterling. You see Sterling's eyes flitter and he kind of knows which way to walk. He uses one of his portents and gets an 11 enough as you're moving down this ladder it's a little difficult going down this 50 foot rung all the way to the boat your arms begin to buckle and get tired and you feel that muscle strain as you're moving down the ladder Uh, with the exception of vaughn sterling and hawkins make an athletics check vaughn you may make an acrobatics check 14 for hawkins 14 is to success. 18 for one. Success. Sterling's holding onto his star stone, so he's giving himself guidance. He gets 12. <laughs> success. <laughs> uh, 
As you get to the bottom, you see that the boat has indeed been left there. Small little fishing boat full of nets and twine. And you can only imagine where the fisherman is. Do you indeed take it? Hey, Hawkins, do you have uh, any paper? Or, and writing utensils? I have it. And he pulls out his calligraphy tools. And he's going to very, in, in a very pretty way, write a little note that says, thank you for the boat. Sorry we had to borrow it. And he's going to wrap uh, 10 gold pieces in the note and leave it there on the shore where the boat is. Very pleasant. Hawkins, as he's stepping down the last rung of the ladder, misjudges it and slips um, and goes thumping pretty hard into the boat for his failed uh, stealth check. As you do that, you look up from your back lying on the boat. There is a woman standing on the bridge. White hair, white skin. You peer closer, having your eyes now coming into focus from hitting your head. You see that she is an elf. She's sitting with, or she's standing there with one arm, comfortably laying on the bridge, and she's just smiling at you. And then she looks past you, and you can see that she is looking at Sterling. And a wicked smile creaks on her face. You see that she begins to raise her head back in laughter. She watches you drift away. Hawkins, how do you respond? Hawkins followed her gaze um, sort of above him, behind him to Sterling and looks questioningly at him. What was that woman want? And Sterling's trapped in his head hearing that laughter and remembering that conversation and he's chilled to the bone. Yeah, Sterling, make a perception check. You're going for a 19 or higher. 24. The only face you remember as you lie there on your deathbed. She says, My name is Starblood. Don't forget me. Precious, precious one. Her icy elven fingers scraped across your cheeks explaining that unusual scratch you had on your face when you woke up in the forest. She cackled and laughed, and it suddenly realizes she calls out to go to the end of the road, and she performed this revivifying resurrection spell on you, infusing you with the power of Bane, Ball, and Merkel. She whispered in your ear and said, you're a special one. And as she stands there now, looking very familiar, she leans her hand up against, and as you focus on your on her gaze, her eyes look back at you, and she just whispers in your ear as if she was sitting next to you in the fishing boat. Go to the end of the road, Sterling. Sterling, you remain catatonic for the next hour as Vaughn floats you away and the chilling touch of star blood, the elven witch, remains hauntingly on your skin. 
And so for now, our story concludes. Thank you for listening, Sojourners. Your attention will not go unrewarded. And we look forward to continuing this adventure. If you would like to support the podcast, you can go to Patreon. Find us at Sojourners Awake. For more articles on playing your very own Dungeons & Dragons games and becoming a storyteller, visit www.sojournersawake.com. You can also find us being inspirational on Facebook and Instagram. However you choose to sojourn with us, as always, may your story continue.